The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. We thank God as we press into the second week of the fast. As you are aware, our theme for this season is the hand of God. The hand of God. Today we are in part one of the hand of God. And next week we look at part two and the following week is our God will do it again service and we will be looking at the third part, part three of the hand of God. There are a lot of things that can fill our lives, a lot of choices we can make about what will fill our lives. Unfortunately, sometimes a lot of people fill their lives with anger. Their life is filled with anger. Have you seen someone who is fully angry all the time or most of the time? The life is filled with anger. For some people, their lives are filled with anxiety. Their lives are filled with anxiety. If you sum the totality of their time in a day, a lot of it is filled with anxiety. They're anxious about this, anxious about that, anxious about, you know, a lot of things. And for some people, their lives are filled with depression and on and on and on. Or it could be other things that are good, good things. We let our lives get filled with good things, a thousand of other good things can also fill our lives, like things like our hobbies, you know, can fill our lives. If you are given to any kind of hobby, if you are not careful, that can fill your life. It could be your work. Your work can fill your life. I mean, and sometimes people pride themselves in saying, oh, I'm a workaholic. In other words, my work is what fills my life. Sometimes. It's family. Yes, family, as neutral, as good as that is, sometimes that's what fills our lives. And interestingly, for some of us, it is church that has filled our lives. We have filled our lives with church activities, you know. And the truth is, these are seemingly good things. And what God is saying to you and I today is this that you can have a full schedule and still have an empty life. You can have a full schedule and still have an empty life. Your schedule may be filled with family activities, church activities, um, work, hobbies, and different other good things. And it's for some people, it could even be the bad things. Yet, the life is empty. Full schedule, empty life. Does that describe someone you know? Or does that describe you? Full schedule, 
empty life. So, pastor, how do I feel fulfilled in life? How do I be filled with, to the full with joy, with life? How do I get fulfilled? And the answer is this. You get fulfilled when God lays his hands upon you. When the hand of God comes upon you and rests upon you. That is when you get fulfilled. Why? Because when the hand of God rests upon you, it fills you up with his spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings fulfillment. So you can actually have a full schedule and a fulfilled life. That can only happen when God puts his hand upon you. I pray for you today that God will put his hand upon you in the name of Jesus. God will rest his hand upon you in the name of Jesus. When God rests his hands upon you, your life is filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 verse 8 the A part says, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power. You'll be filled with purpose. You'll be filled with life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The truth is that man is a container. We are containers. You are designed to contain something. What will it be? What will fill that life? Is it going to be filled with God's presence and God's power and God's life? Is it going to be filled with something else, with anxiety, with worry, with depression? See, because the truth is this. You cannot be filled with the life of God and live in anxiety, depression, anger, pride, bitterness. You can't. No, you can't. So, real power comes when you are filled with the Holy Spirit as God lays his hand upon you. I pray that God will lay his hand upon you in the name of Jesus. You'll be filled with the life of God, with the Spirit of God, and you will have fulfillment, and you'll be powerful, and your life will have meaning. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 18, Ephesians 5, 18 says, Don't destroy yourself getting drunk. Let the Spirit fill your life. Let the Holy Spirit fill your life. Don't destroy yourself getting drunk. In other words, don't be filled with alcohol, with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. I pray again that the spirit of life will come upon you in the name of Jesus. That the spirit of truth will overshadow you in the name of Jesus. So the question is, how does this work? How does this work, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. You see, when we delve into how it works, you know, for some people when I've explained this to them, they are disappointed. You know, they're disappointed because it, it sounds, uh, this, this makes sense. It's, to them, it doesn't sound hard enough. 
It doesn't sound spiritual enough. It doesn't sound Jim Jim enough. You know, like Naaman. The, Elisha said to him, go and dip yourself in, in Jordan. And, and he said, that is not hard enough. I'm a war general. I'm used to difficult things. That is not hard enough. Many times God is leading us in the direction and we are saying, this is not hard enough, Lord. I pray that you receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save you and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Hallelujah. So, do you want God to lay his hands upon you? Do you want to know how this works? Do you want your life to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Four things. Number one, desire. Desire his hand. Desire the hand of God to be laid upon you. Desire his hands. Desire his hands. Desire to be filled with God. Desire for God to lay his hands upon you. Let that be a heart desire. You see, many times, the reason people don't receive of God is because they don't come hungry. They don't come with a burning desire. You see, if you have two items, one a stone, one a sponge, and you dip a, a, both in water, by the time you bring them out, the stone will still remain the same way, the same weight, the same mass. Because it, it, it is completely hardened. The sponge, on the other hand, goes into the water, comes out with more weight. The mass has changed. It is soaked water. Why? Because the, the sponge is thirsty. This season, the hand of God is coming upon his church. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you, are you, are you desirous of God? Are you hungry for him? And that's the question. That's the question. You know, it is popularly said that the proof of, 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 of desire is pursuit. The only way you can know if someone is desires something is if the person goes after that thing. It's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. If, if someone desires food, the person will go and get the food. If the person is, if there's food in the house, and, and you know, while growing up, you know, my grandmother would say that you're not hungry. If you're hungry, you go and eat. You know, so you're in the house and say, oh, oh mama, I, I'm hungry. Hey, big mommy, I'm hungry. She said, no, no, you're not hungry. There's food in the house. Go and get your food, my friend. So the point is this. If we are not desirous, if we are not pursuing, rather, we are not desirous. The same goes for every area of our lives. You want, you want to be a graduate. You want to, you want to have a degree. You don't pursue. You don't write the exam. You don't study. You really don't want to. Oh, pastor, it's my dream. It's my vision. You know, I want to uh, be an entrepreneur. You really want to be an entrepreneur? But you don't 
research about what it takes, you don't take the step, you don't pursue the dream, I don't think so. Oh, pastor, uh, there's this man, he, he told me that he really loves me, he desires me, you know, but I find out that I'm the one calling him every time, every time he's busy at work, I'm like, he doesn't desire you. I said, no, 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 pastor, you don't understand, he's busy, that's why. I'm like, okay. The truth is, you can't keep a man that desires you away. You can't. When God is saying, I have this in store, when you are desirous, you are pursuing, you are, you are fasting. If you don't have a medical condition, you are fasting. You are praying. You are coming for the meetings. You are desirous. You are researching. What does the hand of God mean? How can it change my life? You are pursuing. And one big thing about, about um, desire is that you cannot meet someone that desires something that doesn't ask. It's, it's not possible. Asking is, is actually one of the first steps of pursuit. Matthew 7, 7 says to us, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask. Ask. If you can't ask, you don't need it. If you, if you cannot seek God's face, you are not interested. If you cannot knock, It already tells us. So Jesus expects us to thirst. Jesus expects us to thirst and desire him. Desire the hand of God to be laid upon us. Desire the spirit of life will be released upon us. Desire, desire, desire. There was the feast. In the Bible called the Feast of the Tabernacles. Jesus was in Jerusalem for this feast. Now, the um, process that leads up to the peak of this, it's like a three-day festival, that, that leads us to the peak of it. On that last day, the high priest leads a procession of, of people they, they, they will be reading some psalms, they will be making some melodies, they will be reciting, particularly Isaiah, book of Isaiah, chapter 12. And they will go from the temple to the pool of Shiloam, and the high priest will fetch water and lead the procession back to the temple. At that time, when he gets to the temple, that water, after reading Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, he pours the water. He pours the water, signifying two things. Signifying that God will bring a good harvest. Then signifying the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Jews 
would do that to signify those two things, to, to, to build a thirst, a, a desire in the heart of the people that God is going to bring a harvest. God is going to pour down his spirit like water upon the people to stir up the thirst and desire in people. And, and the word of God says in John 7, from verse 37 to 39, John 7, 37 to 39, that on that last day, on the last day, that most important day of the festival, as the, I can imagine, as the high priest poured the water and the people are desirous of God, Jesus stood up and shouted, if you are thirsty, Come to me and drink. Woo! That must have been scandalous. Come to me and drink. Have faith in me and you will have life-giving water flowing from, the, from deep inside you. Just as the scripture says. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was saying, this thirst, this desire, this hunger that you have for other things, I am the one that can fill you. I'm the one that can fill you. I'm the one that can fill you. I'm the one that can fill you. I am the one that can fill you. Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of all hopes and dreams. I'm the only one that can quench your thirst. So the next time you feel a deep um, desire, and you, you know there's a, the vacuum in the in, in the heart of man. Instead of filling it with different things, some people try to fill the vacuum with shopping. Some try to fill it with illicit sex. Some try to fill that vac vacuum with acquisition of, of material things. Oh, I need to buy a new car. I just feel good when I'm driving a new car. Guess what? It cannot fill that void. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come to me and drink of the living waters. So the first thing is what? Desire. Desire. Desire the hand of God upon you. As you desire the hand of God upon you, that hand of the highest will rest upon you in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will fill your life in the mighty name of Jesus. And so it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. So the first is desire. Desire. The second, number two, is repent repent of your sins repent of your wrongdoing repent of your evil repent of your gossips repent of your backbiting repent of your hatred repent that's the second thing repent what does it mean to repent it simply means to take a 180 degree turn you are going this way you turn this way that's what it is to repent i it is not a, a feeling. Repentance is action. It can start with a feeling, but it's, it is culminated in the action. I am going this way. I'm now turning this way. Then I have repented. That is what it means to repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. 1 John 1, 
9 says to us, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the truth is that we don't like confronting our sins. We don't. We, 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 we'd, uh, we'd rather confess the fact that, oh, I, uh, I, have, I had a bad attitude today. Instead of saying to God, I'm sorry for being nasty. I'm sorry for being badly behaved. Oh, you're just a rough day. I had a bad attitude. No, 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 no. We don't like, we like covering our sins. We like painting them and in different ways, but we don't like. We would rather confess other people's sins. We would rather say, oh, this person or that person. What about you? What about you? What about you? We don't like it. When I confess my sins, what I'm saying is that there is ugliness in me. And nobody likes to admit that they, they have ugliness. When we confess our sins, it means I'm admitting that, Lord, let your loveliness take care of my ugliness. I receive your love. That's what it means. But we don't like it. We don't like it. So the unwillingness to call sin, sin is what keeps us stuck. It's what keeps us stuck. The word of God says that the hand of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save. It is not weak that it cannot deliver. But there is insulation of iniquity and sin. So when you repent and you take away iniquity and sin, the hand of the Lord is released. The hand of the Lord is released upon you in the name of Jesus. There's much, so much freedom in that I can ask God for forgiveness and he can wash me clean. It's, it's so freeing. It's so freeing that a lot of people don't get it. And that's why people are sometimes upset with people that repent, you know. So people are upset with people that repent and God has forgiven. They are angry with them. They're like, oh, God, she needs to suffer some more. God, she needs to. God says, no, no, the Jonas of this world. Jonas refused to go to Nineveh because if, if I go, God, I know you will forgive them. And I, I, I don't want any of that, you know. I want these people to suffer. The beauty of repenting is the freedom we have in God. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 2.13 Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have done two evils. My people, God says, my people, they've done two evils. One, they have turned away from me. That is evil number one. And you see, that is, that is just sometimes the only thing we repent of when we get to repent at all is from turning away from God. They have turned away from me the spring of living water. Oof. That's number one. And that's, that's what a lot of us acknowledge when we eventually repent is turning away from God, turning away from the spring of living water, acknowledging that, look, I've missed it here. I've done this. I've done that. God forgive me. God says that is not all. 
turning away from me, the spring of living water. Number two, and they have dug their own wells. Oof. They have dug their own wells, which are broken wells that cannot hold water. That's the second thing. So, not only do we abandon the spring of living waters, we dig our own well that cannot satisfy. And many times, when we repent, we say to God, I am sorry for turning away from the spring of living water. But guess what? We don't ask God to take care of the well we have dug that does not satisfy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we say, let Ishmael live before you, O God. In other words. But God is saying, in Isaac shall your seed be. And we are like, oh no, oh no Lord. Oh, no, no. And God is saying, in Isaac, shall your spirit. In other words, the spring of living waters, you should turn away from the well that does not satisfy to the spring of living water. You don't turn to the spring of living water and keep the well that doesn't satisfy. The living water is over there, but we are praying, God, help me find water over here. Meanwhile, the living water is over here. And we are saying, God, bless this well. This well, let it be blessed. Oh, why do we do this? Why do we do this? God is saying, the living water is here. You are to abandon the well and come to the living water. Hallelujah. It's big, it's big. God says, I am the spring. Of living water. So the first thing for the hand of God to be unleashed is desire. The second is repent. Repent. The third is to yield. Everybody say yield. Yield yourself to the hand of God. Yield yourself to the hand of God. Yield. My grandmother would say that uh, <laughs> In other words, they want to plate your hair. They want to make you beautiful, but you are moving your head. You are not, if you go to the barber shop, the barber has to lay his hands on your head and make you you know, shape your, you know, your, your hair really nice. Or if you go to, the, to, to do your hair, you know, the ladies are, testify to that. They sit down quietly under different conditions, unbelievably, you know. And they are very compliant. The hairdressers salon, women are obedient. They are very compliant. They stay. The, the hairdressers say, Auntie, Madam, put your head like this. The woman that can maybe pay a salary 10 times over, she will adjust her head and behave. We put our head down for men to lay hands on our head to beautify us. The Most High God says, I want to lay my hands upon your head and beautify you. Put 
your head down. Put your head down. Let them beautify. Let heaven beautify you. Put your head down. Matthew, Mark, rather, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark 8, 34 says, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You, can't, you cannot, when, when you come and God is releasing his hand, his hand will take control. You cannot take control, you cannot be in control, and God, the God's hand is, is, is the significance, one of the significance of God's hands is control. It takes control of your life. It takes control of the situation. It takes control of your health. It takes control of your family. It takes control of your thoughts. It takes control. He lays his hands. And when he does that, you have to die to your own self. You have to yield to God. You have to yield to God. That's how it works. You have to yield to God. Many people are filled with their own ideas. God is saying, for you to see the fruition of it, yield to me. Yield to God. If you drive, you see the yield sign. Everybody that drives should know the yield sign. It's usually the inverted triangle, you know, the yield sign. So when you see the yield sign, what does it mean? It, it simply means, yield to yield means you are willing to give someone else the right of way. In other words, when you are driving, yield means if there's somebody else, that person automatically has the right of way. So to yield means you are going, but if you see a vehicle, you have to yield the right of way to the vehicle. To yield to God means regardless of the direction you are going. Once God's hand comes in, as he's coming into your life now in Jesus' name, you have to yield the right of way to God's hand. Let him have his way in your life in the name of Jesus. Let him have his way. Have your way, oh God, in my life. Have your way in my situation. That's what we are saying. Let your hand be released. Have your way. Have your way. Have the right of way, O God of heaven. Have the right of way. First Peter 5, 6. First Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. To humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In other words, you are yielding to the mighty hand of God. You are yielding to God. And when you yield to him, you are, you are surrendered to him. You are yielded to him. Then he will lift you up. But if you are still struggling or if you are still adjusting, it, 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 will, it will spend the, all the energy will be spent, all the time rather, will be spent to try and get you into position. But the earlier you yield, the earlier you rise. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that it will exalt you. Your exaltation has come. In the name of Jesus. Ah, 
you are being exalted. Your exaltation has come. Yield. Say to your neighbor, yield. 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 Pastor, what do I do to yield? I want to yield. What do I do? Let go. That's all. Just let go. Just let go. Let go of the worries. You are struggling with your worries. Let go. Just let go. Just surrender. Let go of your pride. Let go. Let go of your achievements. Let go. Let go of your plans. Let go of your anxiety. Let go. Let go of your own macho. You know, sometimes we are macho. Let it go. So that God can lift you up. If you have, I mean, partaking or being in a ride, in a, in, a, in a thrill ride, you know, like the roller coaster or the height dip, you know, you will know or agree with me that to enjoy a thrill ride, there is this moment when you release control to the ride. If you can't, if you don't, the people that choke and have panic attacks and have anxiety, they are control freaks. They cannot release control. So you have been belted down. That the whole infrastructure has been certified safe. There's not been one person that has been thrown off. So that thing is safe. You are secured. You are fastened. To enjoy the ride, you need to sit control to the ride and go through it and enjoy it. But if you don't, you will die before you get down, as you will die three times. <laughs> because you have just freaking out. And that is how a lot of people are living life. They are just freaking out. Why is everything like this? Why am I like this? Why is this family like this? Why is this? Why? 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 You are freaking out because you are seeking control. You want to be in control. You will never admit it, but that's, the proof is that you are freaking out. However, when you cede control to the ride, oof, when you cede control to the hand of God that is in control of the ride, that is in control of the whole universe, you cede control. Guess what happens? You are at peace. The ride may be going up and down, and you will just be enjoying the ride. Ooh, ooh, you will just be enjoying it. That's what people are laughing at. Say, ooh, somebody say, ah, what made me pay for this? Thing? Oh, I'm dead today. <laughs> Seed yield control to the ride. Same thing with flying. If you if you have if you want to fly a plane, you know, you you have to trust, which is I'm getting ahead of myself right now. But you have to yield yourself to the aerodynamics principles that govern flight. You have to sit down, go through the wrong way, the wrong way, pull up, take off, and 
hit the skies. You have to yield. You cannot be afraid and fly. You cannot be panicking and fly. Any pilot that is shaking, of course, I mean, the, 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 the whole flight is in trouble. So yield. Say to your neighbor, yield. Number four. Number four. Trust. Trust. Trust God to do what he says he will do. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Everybody say, as you trust. As you trust in him. It's as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you trust. As you trust. As you trust. How do you cash a check? When you have a check given to you by someone that is reputable. Or let's even extend it to how we spend and, and use money today. You pay in the check into your account and the check clears. The check is from the um, the government of the United States of America they give you a check of $100,000. You pay it in. It clears. It, it, it has to clear. It, has to, it clears, right? Good. Then, how do you walk up to the ATM? How do you walk up to the ATM? How do you pay for goods you, you take your family out to a restaurant. They, they bring the bill. The bill is $200, $150. Your $100,000 check has cleared. How do you bring out your, your card? How do you pay? Do you, do you keep your fingers crossed? Do you panic? Do you sweat? Do you say... Try this card first. You know, some people, when you go out to eat with them, they have like three, four cards. They say, try this one first. <laughs> they say, try this one first. You don't do any of those. You just bring out the card and you drop it in. You even give a good, a good tip. Why? Because you are confident that the bank balance is sorted. That is how we should deal with God. Why? God wants us to trust. Many people go to God begging, um, wishing, hoping. No. He says, come, come, come. First John 5, 14 to 15. I love this passage of scripture. For the first time I read it decades ago. I wrestled with it. I really wrestled with it. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Woo! That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him. That is so powerful. That is why in God's family house, we pray according to scriptures. You will notice, if you've been following us, we give you a scripture, that is God's will, then we pray that scripture 
And that's why we are confident. That is the confidence that we have. When you bring out that ATM card, you have that confidence. That the bank balance is sorted out. You are paying this amount. You are not, you are not, you know that it's going to go through. And it is what you do throughout the day. You trust God to do what he says he will do. You trust God to make sure that the bank balance is cleared, that the check has cleared. You trust God. You trust God. It's not a one-off thing. Trusting God is like breathing for a Christian. To trust God is like breathing for a Christian. So every day, you are trusting him. Every second, every hour, you are trusting God. It's like breathing. Do you know the average time what a, a human being breathes in a day? 21,600 times. You breathe on the average 21,600 21, times on the average. Whew. Many of us, we don't even know. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God beautiful? We just keep breathing, taking fresh air in 21,600 times. We are breathing. I know some people are breathing up to 30,000 times. <laughs> you know, you know. But on the average, 21,600 times. That is how being filled with the Holy Spirit should be. That is how being reliant on the Holy Spirit should be. It's like breathing. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me, and I am desperate for you. And I am lost without you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is like spiritual breathing. It's like breathing spiritually. So we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide. Spiritually, we, 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 we breathe out and we say, Lord, I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for cleansing me. That's breathing out. I thank you for cleansing me completely, O God of heaven. Then we breathe in. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Listen, I do this a lot. A lot. In fact, every single time since 1998, that I stand to minister every single time that God, taught, God showed me this and taught me this. Every single time I say, Lord, I empty myself of everything than all of you. I ask that you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit and power. And actually, 
breathe. And I breathe in. I breathe out everything that is not of God. I breathe in just like physical breathing. But I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's like a, a type. I'm, breath, I'm breathing, it, breathing it spiritually. Every single time I stand to minister. So I'm giving you one secret out. <laughs> you know, I breathe in the power of the highest. I breathe in the life of God. And, and that's it. Consistently we do that. Why? Because you don't take a breath in the morning and make it through the day. You don't wake up in the morning and say, mm. then you, and you go out, you, you can't make it, you're going to die. You know? <laughs> you, 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 to get to your car, you're going to be, in fact, your children will say, Daddy, are you okay? <laughs> you know? You breathe. The breath you took two minutes ago is gone. It has served its purpose. You do, it cannot help you now. You need fresh breath. That is how it is with God. You have to trust God. You trusted God yesterday. God bless you. You need to trust God today. After you've trusted God today, tomorrow, guess what? You need to trust God tomorrow. This is the air I breathe. As you trust God, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this spiritual life is not supposed to be impressive. It's, not, it's supposed to be a part of us. A part of us. You, there's no, you, you can't say, oh, have you seen that sister? She's a breather. Ah, when she breathes, you know, she's amazing at breathing. Her breathing is super. Nobody talks about like that. Because everybody breathes. That is how it should be spiritually. Every Christian should trust God easily. Every Christian should be filled with the Holy Spirit easily. There should be no superstar, super breather in the kingdom. Everybody should be. Oof. And when this is in operation, this is how you know you are, the hand of God is upon you, upon a person, and it's in operation, and the person's life is consistently being filled with the life of God. Three things, three things you're going to see. Number one, you're going to see the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, you are going to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy. The person will be filled with love, joy. The person is joyful. Peace, the person has peace. If you see someone that doesn't, is not filled with love, doesn't have joy, doesn't have peace, ah, is not patient, ah, is not kind, ah, doesn't have goodness, ah, is not faithful, ah, is not gentle, no self control, run. <laughs> you will be growing in love. You'll be growing in joy. You know, even if your joy is overflowing today, you are not where you were yesterday. You'll be growing in peace. You'll be growing in patience. That's the first thing. The fruit of the Spirit. As God lays his hands upon you, the fruit of the Spirit will saturate your life and your life will produce it. In Jesus' name. Amen. The second is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. You should read that. And it's going to come up on the screen. You should read that when you get up. 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Time and time again, you can, you can manifest the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues. You can 
interpret tongues, you can prophesy, you can give all of knowledge, you have all of wisdom, you, you have gifts of faith, you have healings at different times, or maybe just one, or maybe one or two. You know, we will see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number three is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You see, everything is Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Because when God lays his hands upon you, his spirit, God is spirit. His spirit is released upon you. The, the fruit of the spirit, the gift of the spirit, the anointing of the spirit. Oh, the anointing of the spirit is so powerful. It's God rubbing himself on you. So the, 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 the might of God is manifested. As God lays his hands upon you, the fruit of the Spirit will be manifested in you and through you in Jesus' name. The gift of the Spirit will be manifested in you and through you in Jesus' name. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be manifested in you and through you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, many people never discover what God can do in their lives because they are waiting to feel to feel the hand of God before I can move. Listen, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, if you are not born again today, you need to give your life to Jesus so that properly the hand of God can rest upon you. If you're a child of God, this season will remove any doubt in your life that the hand of God is upon you. And as the hand of God rests upon you, Begin to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Begin to manifest the gifts of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Begin to be filled with the anointing of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And so it is and shall be in Jesus' name. We have prayed. So, if you're like, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a partaker of this. I've never given my life to God. I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to do it today. Can you pray with me? You're like, Pastor, I used to be with God. Can I come back? Can you pray with me? Yes, we want to pray with you. That is me. Wherever you are, wherever you are, if you're in the auditorium, if you're online, if you're in the car, wherever you are, put up your hand now over your head.